If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxadeo Fichard Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. It's a new year. And um, normally at the start of a new year, it's really easy to be optimistic, right? I, I don't know why I'm optimistic, but I am. Like nothing, because here's the thing, nothing changed between the 31st and the first. Time is still 24 hours in a day. You still pay taxes. You still have that student debt that you need to get to someday. Not much changes from midnight to one minute past midnight on the 1st of January. But for some reason, I'm just so excited about everything. I'm excited to wake up because it's the first day to wake up. I'm excited about breakfast because it's my first breakfast of the year. Like, is this going to set the tone? I'm excited to see my husband. I'm like, it's the first time I'm seeing you this year. I'm excited to go to the bathroom. It's my first we of the year. It's like everything is just like incredible. Although nothing has really changed. We go on it's holiday, getting back to work, all of that. But it's easy to be excited and optimistic at the start of a new year, right? Fresh vision, fresh hope, fresh, you know, kind of to-do list on your refrigerator. I'm going to hit the gym like 17 times a week. Like, I don't need food. I'm a machine. Like, whatever. I'm going to be up before dawn. Like, the birds will come and check in with me because I'm going to be the one singing, you know. You have all these kind of just stuff, it's coming out of you. And even in our faith life, and this is not a bad thing, just saying, it's a really good thing. It's actually, studies have shown that the best way to start a new habit is by connecting it to something really obvious. So like a Monday, or a new year, you know, or a new month, or whatever. And even in our faith life, you know, we have these, these hopes at the start of the year. God, this year, like, this year, I won't miss a Sunday. Watch me. I'll be at church. God, this year, I will get a 100% attendance, like, diploma from church, which we don't give, by the way, for being at community. God, this year, I'm going to give this year, I'm going to like read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation like 10 times. Watch me. You know, God, this year, I'm not only going to pray like two hours a day. I'm going to have like my normal Christian prayer for two hours a day. And then I'm going to go into third gear and pray in tongues for another two hours. Watch me. It's not bad. Let me be clear. It's a noble thing if you have desires like that to, you know, wanting to grow at the start of the year. Research says that 80% of New Year's resolutions fail by mid-February. So that means that every, probably every single one of your I want to be a better Christian resolutions that you made on the 1st of January is doomed to failure within the next six weeks. Aren't you so glad you came to church tonight to hear that? Like, oh, thanks, thanks, pastor. <laughs> Doomed to failure. Hallelujah. I want to ask a very simple question tonight. It's not a trick question. It's not even 
like a super spiritual question. It's a very simple question that I would love for you to answer yourself over these next few days as we head into 2024. What would your 2024 look like if you just follow Jesus step by step? So instead of trusting, you know, to read Genesis to Revelation 10 times, which is fine. If you want to do that, go for it. But what if just for the next 350 odd days that's left of this year, what if you just followed in faith and in relationship and in simple trust, in simple devotion, in simple obedience, in simple abiding? What if you just took the next step Trusting God, finding that space, and then taking the next step, trusting God, seeing where he's leading you, and then again, taking the next step, trusting God, building relationship, building faith in my heart, getting used to what the voice of God sounds like, so it's getting easier, actually, and then taking the next step, and the next step, and the next step. What would your 2024 look like? You see, because normally... At the start of the year, especially at the start of the year, we expect these miraculous leaps of faith. Like, God, this year, we're going to sort out everything. So I'll stop sleeping around. I'll stop cheating. You know, I'll stop cussing my mom when she's not listening or whatever. You know, I'll stop gossiping. I'll stop this. I'll stop all of the sin that I've ever struggled with. We're going to make this leap of relationship. And let me be clear, that can happen. God is able to do that. Hallelujah. He can do that. But most likely, probably this year, God is going to invite you one step at a time just to follow him. And that's actually the idea that we want to journey with, with this sermon series, step by step. Like I said, a lot of resolutions fail by mid-Feb, about 80%. You see, because all of us know, especially at the start of the year, all of us know how good it is for you to pray. You know, I don't have to convince you, you know how much better your life goes when you pray regularly, right? You know, I don't have to convince you how much more simpler and less chaotic and less disillusioned you are as an individual if you regularly spend time with God, when you connect to church, when you look after your health, when you have good relationships around you. You know this. I don't have to convince you of that. But we don't. You see, all of us are like Paul in Romans 7 when he writes in verse 21 to 23, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I just do what is wrong. Amen. Hallelujah. Right. I know what is right. You don't have to tell me, but I don't. I love God's law with all my heart. Hallelujah. Amen. I love God's law with all my heart, but... There's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Listen to how Eugene Peterson in the message translation writes this. He says, it happens so regularly that it's inevitable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. <laughs> Ever experienced that? The moment I decide 
that I'm going to make a habit of praying and spending time in God's word, within five minutes, I get an email from Netflix about all the new upcoming shows in January. The moment I decide, okay, this year, I'm going to start giving. Like, I want to start the habit of tithing. The moment I decide that, I see some or other random gadget that I can buy on contract that is just going to suck all that resources. I know what is right, but I don't do it. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Timothy Chapter 4. I want to encourage you, bring your Bible to church on a Sunday, whether it's the good old-fashioned paperback or whether it's on your phone, on a device. But we want to be people of the Word, spending time uh, together. 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 7 to 10. He writes and he says, Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, so just make a little note there, the Bible even says it is good if you take care of yourself. So that New Year's resolution about starting to jog, you know, going to the gym, it is hilarious just saying. Like, I don't judge people, but it's hilarious how many new people you see jogging in the mornings now, right? (laughs) Like, it's like, you've never run in your life. I can see it, but you've been here since the 1st of January. Half of you have disappeared again already, but okay, we're here anyway. But the Bible says it's good. It's of some value. But then it says godliness is of value in every way. It holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. I'm gonna dive with you a little bit deeper into this passage in a minute. But before we do that, there is one really important thing you need to realize if you are a Christian, if you know and abide in Jesus and he abides in you. And it's this, the Christian lives in a certain tension between two kind of poles. Now, that doesn't mean you're bipolar if you are a Christian. Some of you might be, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. But the Christian within himself or herself lives with a certain tension all the time. And the tension is this. You are at present, at this very moment, you are both as holy and as close to God as you can be and you are growing in your holiness and growing in your proximity to God. It sounds like it doesn't make sense, right? It's contradicting. How can I be something fully and also growing? The Christian is at present both as holy and as close to God as you can be because that is salvation, The moment of salvation secures your identity. It's done. I am as close to God as I ever can be. I can't be less saved. I can't be less born again. But at the exact same moment, I am growing. I am growing closer to God. Here is how I usually explain it. We have a son. Uh, He's about 15 months. Can you believe it? It was the other day you guys sent me away for maternity leave. And here we are. More than a year later, he's about 15 months old, 
But the moment he was born, right? The moment our son Benjamin came into this life and screamed his lungs out and everyone cheered and all of that, that moment, he was and is 100% our son, right? It's not like in day one, he's kind of our son, but he still has to like show us, you know, are you really our son? Are you not like, I gave birth to him. I know he's definitely our son. No doubt about it. I know it is our DNA within this child. He can't be any more or any less my son, right? But as he gets older, as he's growing, as he's started to walk, you know, and run and speak a little bit and be busy, I can see he is realizing more and more where he fits into our family. He starts picking up on the way we do things. He starts picking up some of that. Our surname is Storm. He st it's cool, right? He starts picking up some of that Storm kind of mentality, DNA way of doing things. So at the same moment, he is 100% our son and also growing as our son becoming more and more like us. His features change. I see more and more of us in him every single day. The same is true with the Christian child. You are at present both as holy as you can be and also growing in your holiness. Why is this important? Because this changes the way you go into a new year. You see, because most of us normally go into a new year wanting to prove ourselves. Okay, God, this year, I'm going to bring it. God, this year, I'm going to be the, 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 big, the biggest Christian I could ever be. God, this year, I'm going to be the best, you know, colleague, you know, work person at my office. God, this year, I'm going to be the best student. God, this year, I'm going to be the best spouse. God, this year, I'm going to do this. And we start from a wrong place, wanting to prove who I am. Wanting to earn God's affection, wanting to earn his approval, wanting to make myself good enough. But the Christian child living within this tension realizes that I'm already enough. I'm already accepted. I'm already loved. I'm already forgiven as much as I ever could be. Does that change the way you go into a new year? Does it change the way you think about those resolutions, whether they are about spiritual stuff or not? It does, right? Let's go back to our scripture. He says, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. He's actually talking about some false teachings that he mentioned in the first chapter as well. But for you, Christian, brother and sister, this year, have nothing to do with silly myths. <laughs> Just follow Jesus step by step. And then he says, rather train yourself for godliness. Here is that tension, right? The tension of the Christian life. Because remember, I am already godly. If I know God, if I abide in Jesus and he abides in me, then I am as close as I can be. But then he says, train yourself for godliness. So that means it's something that I can get better in. <laughs> something that I can grow in, something that I can actually, you know, step by step grow. He goes on to say bodily training is of some value. Remember that, make a note. And then he says godliness is of value in every way. I want to skip and then in verse 10 he says, 
for to this end we toil and strive. That word strive, well, toil and strive, not necessarily words that you want to hear about in church, right? Toil and strive this year, you know. 2024 will be a year of toil and strive, you know. Who wants to take that as a promise? No one. But that word strive, if you translate it, it actually refers to, get this, and it's real, it actually refers to the agony, no, yay, agony, 2024, woo! But the agony that an athlete goes through as he trains his body to do something. As an athlete trains his body to be fit and strong, I can train my spirit to grow to be close to God, but it's not to prove anything. I have nothing to prove. It's already been proven. Jesus said, and he did enough so that when I start a new year and I want to grow and I want to be better, I can actually do that, but it's from a place of already being fully loved, fully accepted, fully forgiven. I don't know about you, but that, for me, releases a lot of pressure. <laughs> Makes it feel easy to start the new year and go, yeah, I do want to grow closer to God. Yeah, I do want to be more faithful at my workplace or with my studies, you know, or I do want to reconcile those relationships or whatever it may be for you. God wants to invite you one step at a time. You see, because all of us want to probably grow in our relationship with God, right? If you're here tonight, I assume that. <laughs> Otherwise, you were brought against your will, which is not cool. But if you're sitting here tonight of your own free will, it probably means that there is a desire in your heart for something in your faith life to change this year whether it's to pray more or read more Bible or connect to church, you know, or give or forgive that person or whatever it may be. If you're here, there's probably a desire like that. Paul writes in Philippians 2 verse 12 to 13, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This confused me for a very long time because now it's like, okay, do I now need to work, you know, to be saved, to prove myself, to earn God's affection? No, this work out your salvation has nothing to do with proving your worth, proving your value, proving your identity, and then God will accept you. This work out your own salvation refers to the journey and the process of step by step discovering the magnitude of what's already happened to you. It's a working from my salvation. It's not a working for my salvation. It's that tension, the Christian tension of I am accepted and loved and holy and all of that, but I'm also still growing. And then the power, because how do we do this? How do I go about all these resolutions of mine? How do I do this? How do I go about a new year? And then he says, for it is God who works in you. His power, His presence, His authority, His ability, those desires 
to grow, to be more holy, if you want to call it that, you know, to train yourself in godliness. Those desires don't even come from you. They come from God. He is the one giving you both the desire and the will to do life with him step by step. Imagine if for, because we're a bunch of young people here tonight, right? Imagine if for the next, let's say, 50 to 60 years of your life, just imagine for a moment, for the next 50 to 60 years of your life, what would it look like if you just step by step follow Jesus? Imagine where you could go. Imagine what he could do in you and through you. If you just step by step daily, when I wake up, step by step, I follow Jesus. Monday to Friday, step by step, I follow Jesus. Saturday and Sunday, step by step, I follow Jesus. January, step by step, I follow Jesus. June, July, which is normally a very hard time to follow Jesus, but I step by step, follow Jesus. August time, when everyone's lives fall apart and it's anarchy in the streets, step by step, I follow Jesus. September, when it's silly season, step by step, I follow Jesus. October and November, when everyone is burnt out and they quit their jobs and they immigrate and all of that, step by step, I follow Jesus. When December comes again and it's crazy shopping time and it's holiday and it's beach vibes, step by step, I follow Jesus. Multiply that by 50 years. Imagine. Friend, that's the invitation for you and me. I want to invite the worship team just to join me as we end off. How will you go about 2024? We want to make it practical just for the last like two or three minutes together. And I want to ask you this. I said it in the beginning as well, right after worship. But whose voice will hold priority in your heart this year? It's easy to calculate, if you want to do that, it's very easy to calculate whose voice has the authority in your life and the priority. You just open up your calendar and look at where most of your time goes. Just open up your bank statement, see where the money leads you. Take, do some stock take of your life. Whatever holds your attention, your thoughts, most of your emotions, most of your thoughts during the day, whatever holds that, that's the voice that has priority in your life currently. And I wanna encourage you with this tonight. Whose voice will have authority this year when it comes to your journey, your step-by-step abiding with Jesus? Just a few practical things. What would a next step look like for you in your prayer life? Forget about the pressure of praying in tongues 24 hours a day. Just let that go for a second. Where you are at this moment as a son and a daughter, as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, what would a next step look like with Jesus in your prayer life? What would the next step with Jesus in abiding look like when it comes to your time in the Word? What would the next step look like when it comes to your connectedness to church? What would a next step look like when it comes to your work ethic? What would a next step look like 
in the way you treat what God has given you to steward in terms of your degree and your studies. What would a next step look like where you are at this moment in your faith journey? Because it's different for all of us. And that's the beautiful thing about following Jesus. Whatever your next step is, whether it's the same or radically different from the next step to the person next to you, the promise is twofold. The promise is, I go with you. That's the promise from God. I go with you. And the other half of that promise is, I will give you power. I will work in you. This desire that you have to train yourself in godliness, to work out your salvation, to grow closer to me, I will be the one that brings that to life. Your responsibility and my responsibility is just the next step in faith, step by step, following Jesus, step by step, trusting Jesus, step by step, communicating with Jesus, step by step, worshiping Jesus, step by step, giving myself to Jesus, step by step, surrendering my life to Jesus, step by step, surrendering my thoughts to Jesus, step by step, surrendering my future to Jesus, step by step, surrendering every fear, everything that keeps me back, everything I'm wondering about or panicking about or even excited about, step by step, following Jesus. That's my prayer for you this year, that you would just step by step, just follow Jesus. It's not very fancy, is it? That's my prayer for you. Won't you stand with me? I want us just to end together. And I want you just to take a moment and just maybe let's just take a deep breath together. Everyone, let's take a deep breath in and out. Let's do that again. In and out. And I want you just for a moment, just to put a pause on 2024. I know it's only like 1% done, but just quickly for a second, just put a pause on 2024 and everything that still needs to happen, everything you need to prepare for, everything that you need to get ready, everything that you're stressing about, everything that you're wondering about, will I get through it? Will there be enough? Will God provide? Will He be with me where I'm going? Just put a pause on that for a second. And just breathe. Turn your attention towards Him. Fix your heart and your gaze upon Him. Ask Him, God, speak to me. Maybe you haven't yet used the opportunity just to ask God to speak to you about this year to give you direction, to give you hope, to give you purpose, to give you peace, to give you joy.
this is our prayer. At the start of a new season, a new year, a new just possibilities and new opportunities that, that are before us. Father, we want to take a moment and just fix our eyes upon you. And in faith, just surrender ourselves to you for this year, God. David writes in Psalm 73, verse 28. The whole psalm is like, it's a bit of a war story. He complains about the wicked prospering and, you know, the wicked, they get this and they get that, you know, and it's going well with everyone except David who's writing the psalm. And it's this whole chapter of just complaining and being angry with God and being vulnerable and asking God, where are you? I'm not prospering, but my enemies, they prosper. And then at the very end, the very last sentence, David writes, he says, As for me, it is good to be near to God. Father, that is our prayer tonight. During this year, during each season that this year will have for us, that we would in faith declare, with joy declare, that no matter what, whether it is good or bad or fantastic or terrible, whether it's sure or unsure, for me, it is good to be near to God. Father, that is our prayer as a church family. And we pray that God, that you would, that you would be with us. Every expectation, every hope and dream in our hearts and in our minds, everything that we feel you leading us into, the things we're uncertain about, the things we're scared about. Father, this year we want to surrender ourselves to you so that at the end, God, the only thing that I want to say at the end is it is good for me to be near to God. We pray that together in Jesus' name. Amen. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.